If you had a chance to fill out a green card, uh, that would be great. Or even an elder nomination of just someone you would like to nominate for that, who you think would be a great elder within our community. Um, you can drop that into the offering plate. We're actually going to pass those now. This is our chance to continue worshiping God and saying, God, thank you for everything that you've given us. And if you, didn't, if you can come prepared to give something or still not in that habit of being able to surrender your money, may we just continue to thank God. It's even the pay classes from us. Would you just utter a word of thanks to God for his provision, for his continual provision for us all because he's a good and generous father. So let me pray. So God, thank you for what you've continued to extend to us. Lord, may we open our hands and trust you with everything that you have given us to steward. May we be found faithful. Move our hearts what moves you. And God, would you multiply what we have received for the flourishing of this world, for your purposes. We pray, God, that our neighbors would flourish. We pray that those who live right next door to us, God, that you would bless them. We pray, God, that our cities would flourish by your goodwill. We pray, God, that the state, it would flourish. From, from those who feel like they're soaring high to those who are the lowest, would feel like they were flourishing. And we pray for our country that it would flourish. Everyone in it. God, we pray for this world. We pray that it would flourish. Every part, every nation, every people group. That you would bless them, God, and keep them and sustain them. And would you call us, God, to join you in your flourishing work of this world? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so the usher's going to come. We're going to pass this plate. And as we do, we've been singing, right? So a cappella style. So behind me be the words. Join with me as we sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. So we're in a series called Fresh Bread. We've been inviting some people to come up and teach us about um, words from God. Things that God are speaking into them, into their hearts, into their souls to sustain them. That give them life, right? Fresh bread for the day. And so I'm going to share today um, from a passage in Matthew. But have you ever had the dream that you're in it and all of a sudden you're late to whatever it is? Late to school, late to work, late to present something, and you're totally behind, and you've missed it. That sort of nightmare where you're not able to do so. Now, again, if you go on the internet, they, you can find all sorts of supposed interpretations for what this means, right, about being late, and I don't know if it's accurate or not, but, you know, um, the internet told me about this one, that this could pinch potentially be a, a symbol of a needed change in life, or the hope of change in life, this, this dream of being late, right? But dreams about being late can also symbolize an unconscious fear of missing an opportunity, of missing out on something crucial. For example, developing your relationship developing a relationship or raising a family, et cetera. Something crucial. It's like you're missing out, right? 
So I, I have this dream that I'm late or that I've forgotten or that I've missed out. And, and it could be that there's something that's saying, hey, I'm, I'm forgetting something, right? There's something crucial. I'm missing out on something crucial and on an opportunity. And maybe that's you too. So I think this text speaks into this, this drive of being late, of missing out on a crucial opportunity. I, I have one of these reoccurring dreams. Now, Carmel, my wife, hates this one. But it's one that I, I, I think that I've just laid my head down, but I've actually been asleep for a while. And I wake up saying, oh, I, I didn't tell my wife that I'm going to sleep and that I love her and then to give her a kiss on the cheek or something, right? Uh, to be an, a great husband, right? Uh, well, you know, I'm not, but it's, it's weird because usually it's happened about an hour and a half to two hours after I've been asleep. And I wake up thinking, oh, I didn't do this. And then so I pounce up fast, grab her, and say, I love you. I'm sorry. I'm going to bed, right? And wake her up. Um, and it's incredibly frightening and annoying and weird, right? I, we used to call it the love attack, <laughs> right? Um, but I think it is this sense of that I'm missing out, right? I mean, for those of us as husbands and, and as humans, right, we, we long for a deep connection. And you may be like me where you struggle to be vulnerable. You struggle to be open. And you, and you long for that. But you know, you sense, oh, I'm, I'm, still, I'm missing out on the, the best parts. And, and you wake to that. So I think this text today, for me, is something that God's been speaking into me about, about sort of this fear of missing an opportunity, a fear of missing something crucial. I think maybe this too speaks into the um, feeling guilty for being late. Anybody have that? If you're late, if you're, like, you're like, hey, I don't show up late anywhere. And when you do, it's so, you feel so guilty, right, for being late and missing something. Like we're going to be punished or something. We're missing an opportunity. Or maybe we feel guilty that we're just not doing enough. Right? You don't measure up. You've got to earn something. You've got to do a little bit more. So all these feelings of these dreams and maybe in even these, these senses of feeling guilty, I think this text speaks into it in God's good, gracious word to me. And I pray that it be fresh bread for you as well. This is found in Matthew 20. Jesus is telling a parable, right? It's a story that's meant to drive a single point. And I'm going to do what teachers are not supposed to do because I was reading this in my life, right? And uh, my life is different than the context when Jesus was sharing this of the first century. And his audience was very different than me being in the first century. And so I'm going to apply this to my life, right? And I'm going to apply it to our context. But this is found in Matthew 20, and it's a parable. So let's, let's read along. Uh, you can follow me. It's Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. And Jesus says this. He's telling this story. It's meant to drive a point. And it says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, which is the equivalent of a day's wage. For a day laborer, this would be a fair wage for the day. That was what a denarius was. It was sort of this agreed upon system for this person in this style of work. It was a fair amount for a day's worth of labor, a denarius, right? So he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. And they went out again about noon. And about three in the afternoon, they did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and still found others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, 
you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. When those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one also, each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired the last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now this text, right, this is the first century. This is in, is in Jerusalem, supposedly in Israel, right? This is, the context would be way different. There were day laborers in that. They were an oppressed society, and they would have known what it was like to search for work and not be able to get any. They would have known what it's like to wanted to work for a fair day's wage and not be able to find work. They, they knew what that felt like to be in an oppressed system, to be an oppressed people, and to struggle to put food on the table of their family when they had desire and maybe an able body. Now, our context here in Royal Oak, Michigan, and the northern suburbs, uh, maybe doesn't fit to that, right? We, we're, as a majority as a whole, there are oppressed people groups among us, right, and in our area, but the majority of us don't know what that kind of oppression with that kind of ache, with that kind of hurt of a migrant worker, of a day laborer who longs to work and not find it. We, we, don't, we don't do so. But if you want to read that story with that context, you begin to see a picture of the heart of God, right? And he's conveying this generous God who is longing to put to work those who are able-bodied and longing to, and to be generous with them so they can provide for their family, so they can provide the needs in order to sustain a family regardless that they put in the performance or the amount of work that they should have in order to be paid for the day. That's what our God is like. He's generous. But as I was reading this, this text, my context is not a day laborer. I, I, I'm not in that scenario of an economically oppressed system, right? And so, um, so I know that. And so as this, I read this text, God is speaking to my context. But you can understand that if we were in a community where there was a diverse amount of oppressed people, that the poor and oppressed would have much to teach us about the heart of God and what that looks like. It's helpful when we have a diverse group of people who are speaking from different experiences to teach us. And we have much to learn. That's a side note. But in my context, I'm reading this, right? God began to speak to me as well about his graciousness and his generosity. 
The story of this parable, the, the workers are continuing, the, the laborers looking for workers to hit the vineyard and to work in it, right? And, and he shows up at six in the morning for those who are the early birds, right? And they're ready to go and they, they make eye contact. They're there, they're found and he sends them into his vineyard in order to work. And then he comes back at nine, right? Three hours later and he's there and he's back there at noon and he's back there at three and he's back at five multiple times. See, this story centers around this landowner. This landowner is not hands off. This landowner is incredibly involved in every detail in seeking out people and into into dispensing how he will reward them and pay them for the work they have done. He's intricately involved and he is the main character of the story. And those who hear the story, we know that we are not the landowner, except that we're to imitate, if we understand this landowner is God, we're to imitate the best parts of God who is generous and who is good he was kind, right? But yet in this story, we're to find ourselves within these workers. Showing up or not showing up. And what I, what I was moved by, and a friend was sharing this story to me, where it became fresh bread for me. He reminded me of this parable and how it was speaking to him. And it struck my heart. And I began to meditate on it for a couple months now. And it's continued to remain in my mind. As the landowner shows up and continues to invite people into the labor, he never shames them. He never ridicules them. Each time he's been showing up to the same place at six, nine, noon, three, and five, and inviting them into his work and to provide for them. To provide for them and to invite them into meaningful work. Again and again, he's been doing this. And he never shames the, the previous group. He says, hey, why, why, um, why aren't you working right now? And they all answer the kind of same, nobody's, nobody's invited me. He never says this, I was here at six and nine and noon and three. Where were you? He never shames them. He doesn't ridicule them. This is where it kind of applies to my context. Is if you always feel like you're late or you've never done enough, or if you're not quite listening, or you're, you're, you're missing it a little bit, when we think about the landowner or God, some of us have a view that when we finally come to our senses, that's how God's going to speak to us. That's how he's going to respond to us when we finally say yes. We come to our senses and, and doing what he's inviting us into, into in his work or his life. That he's going to say, hey, wh- where you been? Finally? Oh, now I've got your attention? How many of you have this sense of God that when you, when you do finally step in and you're like, hey God, it's me. Um, yeah, I've kind of forgotten about you for a bit. I've been consumed with my own thing. That, that, that he first is going to say, well, it's about time. About time. I've been waiting. Where you been? Expecting to be maybe a little bit shamed. But God has no room for that. There's no room for that in him. That's not his character. To shame or to embarrass or to hold over. He doesn't shame us for being late, but he continues to invite us in to join. Jim Nizinski, um, one of our members here, he, he taught a few months ago about the parable of the seed. 
And he talked about um, the seed that was thrown on the, the thorns. And when Jesus told this parable, he, when he was explaining it, he said that the worries of the day, the worries of our day is what choke out You know, that they choke out the good fruit, the good things that God has for us to do, that we're consumed with our worries of our present day. That stuck with me as Jim taught that. It was a great teaching on that day. That's found in Luke 8 when Jesus is telling that, where our worries of our day choke out this sort of maybe, and that's, I feel like that's sort of my life, right? Where you're engaged with God, you want to be active and present with God, you want to be aware of God, that he's good and he's generous and that he loves us and he's inviting us to be with him and to join him in what he's doing in this world, but yet I'm so consumed with the worries and the concerns of the world that, that maybe his voice, his invitation, the opportunity gets choked, right? Uh, there's a book that I read with harvests, um, occasionally I have a three-year-old or almost a three-year-old son and the little blue truck books any parents ever read the little blue truck books right um, and so this one's called um, the little blue truck leads the way now I've read the little blue truck books um, for some time I, I've got them almost memorized right I mean they're pretty simple for those of you who you know right and there's this scene and the little blue truck is the little truck who's kind of like being nice and kind to everybody and everybody else is busy you know and this, they're in the city and they're going fast and there's this one scene where you know, the police car and all the cars are moving really fast in the city and the little blue truck's in the way and they're like get out of the way little blue truck you know I'm coming through and every time we'll do it Harvest will be like oh that's not nice and I'm like you're right they're busy right they're not nice right so there's this scene in here that sort of almost it reminds you of me so I, I think I'd probably be the police car and, and, and this is not a statement against police officers, right? This, this, is just, this would just be me. And the police car, here's this picture, right? Here's the one, and he's just another one of the cars who's busy. And it's like, woo-wee, woo-wee, coming through, busy police car, things to do. Right, is that what he says? Coming through, yeah, exactly. And then, that's the line. I think, that's me, right? Woo-wee, woo-wee, coming through, busy police car, things to do. Come on, get out of my way. All right, little blue truck, out of the way. Let me do the thing. Let me get to work. Let me hit my tasks. And so if you're like me in that, and, you, and at times you know the things that you need to accomplish for the day, and there are quite a few, we can begin to respond and say, woo-wee, woo-wee, everybody out of my way. I got a lot to do. And, it, and those worries and those concerns choke. Choke out. Something better, Right? That kind of real life that God's, not real life, I mean, the life that God's inviting us into that's different. That's this invitation into the vineyard. But he doesn't shame us into it. Romans, the back half of Romans 2, 4, it says this about God and his kindness. It says, his kindness is what leads us to repentance. Repentance just means that um, you have a change in your thinking, that all of a sudden God's agenda becomes your agenda. Instead of your agendas being, you wanting to make those God's agendas, if you even let God even a part of it, right? Do you make sense? So repentance is a change in your thinking where all of a sudden you become attuned to God's agenda and you say yes to it. And so God's kindness That's what moves our hearts to say yes to him, to his agenda. There's an agenda for your life. 
for his agenda for us as a people, for his agenda, what he's wanting to do in the world, it's his kindness that moves us there. One of the million dollar questions for moving our hearts to God's agenda is this one. Lord, what's on your heart today? That's, that's an a million dollar agenda question for God. Now you may not sense that you have a good ear for God whispering back. You may not have a practice of being able to hear. But I guarantee you, you begin to ask this question regularly. God will begin to answer it. He will not remain silent for anyone who asks that question. God, what's on your heart today? And sit in silent and let him whisper to you. And write down whatever comes that comes pouring into you. And this is a practice. It's not a good practice that I have but it's one that I've known and I have implemented it and tried to. But it's the one that the Lord is inviting me into currently. And you know what? Um, if, you, if you haven't been around for a while with God, and you say, Lord, what's on your heart today? Do you know what I guarantee, what I believe he's going to say to you if you've been gone? Or if you've never known what was on his heart you need to sit long enough until you can hear what's on his heart because I guarantee it's this. For, you, for him to speak over you these words, you are. If you haven't heard that for a while, if you haven't been around for the while, you gotta know that a loving father, those are gonna be the words in some form that he's gonna speak over you and you've gotta sit long enough to be able to hear him because it's not gonna be about you doing something. It's going to be about God communicating to you, finally saying, ah, you've been on my heart. I'm glad you're here. You are. You're on my heart. I care about you. You need to sit. We need to sit long enough that we can begin to hear that, right? You're on my heart. He's the Father. He's not going to lead with telling you what to do. He's going to be reminding that you're on my heart and it's going to be encouraging you to come home. I had the opportunity, and I was practicing this, and it's on those days where I remember, and I'm not consumed, and the thorns don't come and choke out everything good that God's wanted to do in my life. And, and this is just recently, I'm sitting there, and I made my list of the things that I have to do. So let, let me even practice. And so I made my list that day, and just like I have to today, right? So here's my list for today of things that I'm already consumed with. I need to mow the lawn. Do you guys already have a list going of what you'd like to accomplish today? I need to cut the grass. Uh, I made my list over here too. Um, I, I'm in school and I have something due by midnight tonight that I need to do. So I have some school stuff that I need to accomplish today. Um, I've got a worship leader um, time of gathering into our home and I haven't reminded them in order to come over tonight at 8.30, but if you're here guys, we've got a worship leader meeting tonight at 8.30. <laughs> So I've, I've, I just accomplished that, except I just want to kind of think about it a little bit before we go in. So there's a worship leader time that we gather at 8.30. And so that, um, I want to go to the grocery store. I, we've got to get something, right? Some food. We've got to eat. You know, right? So you can continue to make this list. And, um, 
And I was invited to a dinner tonight, you know, and I, I think I, I want to go with the family, but I'm also, you know, so you're kind of like, ah, oh, do we want to go? Do I not want to go? Am I overwhelmed? I feel guilty for going. Do I feel guilty for not going. Do you feel those kinds of things, right? That's my list, right? But on this day, as I was practicing, that's my list for today, but on this day, so I, I, I wrote everything out because I want to get it all out, right? I want to say, all right, God, this is what I, I and these are not bad things. They're good things. But I want God to speak into this day. Because if not, I'm just going to run and do and, and do it. And so, all right, God, what, what do you want to say into my list? What do you think of my list? <laughs> and God, what's on your heart for the day? As I sat there a few weeks back, God began to, as I just kind of just tried to listen, and he was like, ah, I want you to, he brought a, a person and a dream that I had had about somebody. He's like, give them a call. Tell them your dream. And so I wrote their name down on the whiteboard because I was sitting in front of the whiteboard here, and um, he brought up somebody else's name. He's like, I want you to encourage them. And then he brought up somebody who had been in the hospital. He's like, I want you to visit them. Right? And so I just wrote those names and said, all right, so this is your agenda. These are the things that I'm, you know. Now, that, that's what he spoke into that day, right? Those are the things. In that moment when I paused, I paused in order to say, oh, God, what's your agenda? And, and I tell you what, I, do, do you go through your days and you accomplish a lot of tasks, but yet um, you do those things and there's just not a lot of joy in it? You're just doing stuff, Right? I tell you what, I think this is the reward. When God invites us into something, we get to do what his heart cares about, and we get to experience the joy of being with him in his love and, and, and participating in what the God, the creator of the universe, is longing to do no matter how small it is. And so the majority of the time when God is going to speak into us about the things he wants to do, he's either going to speak directly into your life about how much he loves you, right, because this is what he cares about, or he's going to speak into you about how much he loves somebody else or a people group, and he's going to move you to them. Why? Because he loves those people, and he's inviting you to join him in his love to participate in what he's doing, not by guilt, not by shame, not by embarrassment, but by this invitation and this reward to be provided for for the day. And in the small, and it's embarrassing, the small number of days, if I was to count my days, right? Small number of days where I'm mindful of that. They are so much more beautiful and good than the days that I just do my thing. What do you think of this, God, our list? Lord, what's on your heart today? He doesn't shame us for being late. He doesn't shame us in being late and asking these questions and saying, God, what's on your heart today? He doesn't shame us, and we're not earning anything. Let me just, can I just position this whole text in one scripture, and then I want to pray for us, and we'll be done. 1 John 4, 18 to 21 says this, there's no fear in love. Right, we've read this a lot, right? There's no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, right? What does fear have to do with? And there's no punishment in perfect love. 
And God is love. There's no punishment there. There's no punishment there. None. For being late, for missing it, there's no punishment there. For not being aware, for not even asking the question, for doing our own thing, pursuing our own ends, captured by our own agenda, there's no punishment. Have we missed opportunities? Yep. But is there punishment? No. Perfect love drives us out. He's not here to punish us. He's here to liberate us, to free us, to love us. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he gives us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. There's no punishment in love. And our motivation is not guilt. It's not fear. It's God's love that drives us. And his love cries out to us. This is the good news for today. God is gracious and generous. And he's inviting us to be with him. To be with him. And to join him in what he's doing in the world. That is good. It may not be grand in anyone's eyes. But it is good. And you'll experience the reward of the day of his joy and presence as we say yes and step in. I think James was sharing about that by yesterday going to Freedom House, stepping into the Lord's invitation to love and experiencing the joy of being in that community and loving. Experiencing the life. That was a good day, wasn't it, James? Maybe he's not there, I can't see. He might have left. I think he'd say yes. I'll speak for him. May you hear the invitation of God to come to him. May you hear his invitation to join him. May you hear your heart have a desire to turn to his agenda, not because you're afraid of his rebuke, because how long it's been because you sense how much he loves you and how near he wants you and how much life he has for you in him. Can we receive that? Let's pray. So Father, whatever fear and weirdness has grabbed our hearts, whatever wounds have plagued us from the way we grew up, that we continue to think that guilt and punishment are your initial response to us, do more, why haven't you done enough, way of missing the mark, God, would you speak your truth? Holy Spirit, come and breathe in us, God, towards this life of saying yes to you, saying yes to your love and saying yes to join you in what you're doing in the world. That's the good news. You invite us to be with you. and You forgive us. And you're generous to us, what we don't deserve. You poured upon us, forgiving us, God, for living selfishly. That's good news. You cleanse us and you change our hearts and you awaken us to new things, not to be the busy people choked out by our own concerns. So God, would you do a deeper work of that in me? God, would you do a deeper work of that in us? And God, would you do a deeper work of implanting your love in us? Come, Holy Spirit. 
Let us know how deeply loved we are as we sang this morning. And maybe we hear the good news, Lord, that you invite us to be with you in your work of changing the world. Thank you, God. Oh, Lord, quicken us with your spirit to say yes to you and to do so today. What a day, God, to come to our senses and say, oh, Father, what's on your heart today? And so, Father, would you favor us even in this moment? Father, what's on your heart today? Would you whisper it to us as we sit here together in a moment of quiet? If the Lord whispered into anything, I'd pray that you'd be able to take even one small step towards that of saying yes to join him and what he's caring about. You're not doing it alone. When God brings something that's on his heart, he's meaning I'm going to go with you in it. I'm already ahead of you in this. Would you join him? Thank you, God, for being on me today to celebrate your graciousness and your generosity to us. May we remember that and not run from you but towards you. We praise you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite up the Mandas now.